The following is a presentation of Team Bonding, providing more than 100 live, virtual, or hybrid corporate team building activities for companies around the world. Visit teambonding.com to schedule your event now. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Hello, team. It's me, Rich Rennesland, and you're once again on Team Building Around the World, your new favorite podcast. This is a podcast for those of you who are just joining us for the first time, where we actually discuss teamwork, uh, what it takes to have it, how, um, how you know you've got it good, and maybe how to repair it if things start to go wrong. My name is Rich Rennesland, as I said. I have been working in the team building empires of the world, I guess, since about 2009. And I and some friends of mine were thinking and talking about teamwork, especially in the world of today, where at least here in the States, it seems like no one knows how to work together anymore or that they make it very difficult to do so. So what I've done is gathered up a group of people from around the world who are actually going to help us to try to figure out all about teamwork and how to make it work. And with me today, I have a very special guest. He's a dear friend of mine. We've been working together for only a couple of years now. Ladies and gentlemen, say hello to one Mr. Stuart Downey. Hello, everyone. Hi, hi. That's the, that's the, the team that I have hiding under my desk. Of course, yeah. that follow you around at all times. No, no, they stay under the desk. They know what's good for them. <laughs> Stuart, tell everybody about yourself. Well, I've, I've, again, I've been, uh, I've been doing team building in the United States for the last two or three years. That's which is where I've met you, mm-hmm. thankfully. <laughs> and before that, I was also in team building. I was more adventure-based team building, working with joint forces, military adventure training, and team building all the way through to corporate and and just kids fun activities and that kind of stuff. I've never grown up. I still do the same thing. <laughs> My first episode, I actually talked to a mutual friend of ours, Mr. Paul Giroux, and he said that not growing up does seem to be something that, that really helps in this line of work. But um, talk to me about adventure team building. Like what specifically kind of things did you do? Well, if you talk to, if you talk to any old military officers, they will tell you that team building started with the military. <laughs> and, um, uh, and, that's, and that's the way it is. And it was, uh, and it was kind of this idea. The, the base idea was that you scare the hell out of people doing high risk activities. It breaks a team down to the lowest form, if you like, mm. and then you raise them all up together with triumph, and um, and that's what builds a strong team. So that's why most militaries, nearly all militaries in the world, do some kind of boot camp because that breaks you down. And then you build them up together with training and, and understanding of, and, and learning of the skills they need. That was the original concept. That's how I got into, I was doing adventure training for, um, for kids and sailing schools, doing teaching sailing and windsurfing and kayaking and that kind of stuff. Nice. Which, which led into other adventure training like archery and climbing and abseiling or rappelling as you Americans call it. <laughs> um, and that kind of stuff. And then that just led into team building because i think most of the uk where i'm from and a lot of countries see adventure training as like that easy medium of team building okay. you don't really have to review very much you don't really have to talk about the essence of what's been learned you just go out and kayak together and you, you learn some stuff <laughs> and that's kind of that, that's been a big uh, methodology of team building for a long long time it does help if you're in a kayak to know how to make the boat go straight <laughs> you yeah. do need teamwork right. for that. That's awesome. And then, yeah. 
So you're from the UK. Where in the UK are you originally from? I grew up on the Isle of Wight, okay. which is a, a small island on the south coast. I say small, still, you know, 100,000 people live there, but it's, it's Not, small when you describe it. It's bigger than Rhode it's, Island. It's 27 miles by 17 miles. So it sounds oh. tiny, but you don't bump into everyone all the time. There's 100,000 <laughs> people and they're all spread around the coast. Lovely. Now, when but, did you um, when did you yeah. come to the states? So I was um, I was running a um, uh, it was a, a few different things a life skills um, training program which included a lot of elements of team building, leadership, and problem solving for the youth of the United Arab Emirates, and then that led into me building an adventure training center over there and running joint forces adventure training as well as team building, corporate, and kids school group uh, week long residential programs like kind of like summer camp but shorter mm-hmm. and things like that. And I met my wife over there. She was a Emirates first class air crew. And she was American, and she wanted to live in America. Ah, so that, that was it. So, so like most men, when they make mistakes, they followed a woman for it. Right. Great. Right. Great. I've, I've done that many yes. times myself over the years. <laughs> but um, now, of course, you're perfect for team building around the world. Just from what we're talking about. I mean, you've been so many different places. I was proud of the fact that, you know, recently I flew to California and that's the farthest I've ever been. But you have literally been <laughs> to multiple countries. Do you see any difference in teamwork or team building when you go to different countries? You do. There's definitely nuances of difference in culture that you have to take into account. One of the first things I remember I remember doing with a group of Emirati, uh, well, it was a it was an expat community of staff, but we had Emiratis, local people to the, to the UAE in there as well. And um, one of the storylines that one of my trainers was talking about included, let's say, toilet humor. That did not go down well. The, the, the laugh, the laughing that you would get from the the British audience, sure, did not translate. Toilet humor is not funny in Islam, and oh. um, that was you know. And then we were like, oh, maybe we should add some cultural training to our facilitators because this uh, this seems to be something we need to know. Excellent. <laughs> and um, yeah, so you know, you learn from experience and mistakes, and mm-hmm. um, and I've been part of many mistakes. So what inspired you to make this your career? I mean, being around traveling think, so much, um, you, you could have gone I in think, pretty much any direction, really. Yeah, I think to be honest, there's generally not enough money in adventure training to survive adulthood. <laughs> but if you add corporate training sure. into that, then then that becomes a livable wage. Okay, that's great. That's like I love that honest answer. My still mother no, still not great. Yes, still yes. Great. My mother, who is still very much alive and with us, um, has always my entire life said, I'm the master of all things you can't make a buck at. So me too. Thankfully, we've both been able to find yeah. something that's helped us do that to deal with that. Yeah. My mom's like, Great, you're uh you're a sailing instructor. That's really gonna help <laughs> us. Well, what got you started in it? How did you how did you begin? I guess well, I I remember exactly. So in the in the in British curriculum mm-hmm. adventure training is part of the curriculum so you do it in school wow so you do, so i think in fifth grade we did a week-long residential trip to north wales which from the isle of Wight was a good seven eight hour journey sure you know in a, in a minibus with a bunch of kids i'm sure the teachers loved doing that <laughs> and um went, went to went to that north wales area called lambermere and just did tons of different adventure training we did so i i I think I kayaked for the first time. I was always a water baby. I was 
it was always um, bodyboarding and nice. body surfing and that kind of stuff and snorkeling, all yep. over, snorkeling with nothing to see on, around the <laughs> British Isles. I spent a long time um, pre- t- trying out all these new activities in North Wales, and I just caught a bug. I think I just I, I just enjoyed it so much more than anything else I'd done in life. And then um, forced my parents to send me on like, you know, after school kayak programs and after school scuba diving programs and everything I could think, um, everything I could think to find that wasn't expensive and I could convince (laughs) or substitute my pocket money, which was really, my pocket money wasn't really pocket money. It was slave labor Mm. for the, for the family ran fish and chip shop where I worked from a young age. And um, so, yeah, so I got to do all those different activities and in the, same, there's similar similar qualities in the U.S., but in the U.K., all pretty much all adventure activities have some sort of national governing body that dictate levels and safety when it's being taught. Okay, so you can go through a youth training scheme and get your like level three sailing in your youth in the youth scheme, and um, that's what I did. I just worked through all the levels in sailing and with the Royal Yachting Association and kayaking and canoeing with the British Canoe Union. Nice. So when I was 14, I did the assistant sailing instructor qualification for the Royal Yachting Association, started assisting instructors on the water with groups of kids when I was 14. Very nice. And then just kept kept developing it until I was running my own water sports training centers in the south of France and Spain and so things just, like that. That's you just what, learned that's, and learned and learned really until they were, you just learned and learned and learned until people were actually like, okay, now you teach. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit differently. We, like we say, we, we do a lot of corporate work. What's one of your like favorite events you do at a corporate, in a corporate setting now? It, so it's still, it's still water-based. I love the, <laughs> I love our boat build program. <laughs> of course you do. Explain to everybody what that looks like. So uh, we, we give them a bunch of cardboard, a bunch of blueprints, a bunch of tools and equipment, and then force them to work together in, in working out how to cut the cardboard to certain specifications and then put it all together and make a boat, which then two members of the team get in and try and paddle across the pool, lake, river. We've done it in Hawaii off the beach. Wow. Whatever course that we set forth in the water that, you know, and I just, I I love that it's, there's a lot of team dynamics happening while they're doing it, which is interesting to, to watch and then review, but it's also just funny. Um, You know, there's all that team dynamics when they're trying to cut things to to specific measurements and dividing the roles within the team and you watch those roles come out and then there's just this funny part where they're trying to race each other on the water and boats are sinking and <laughs> it's just uh, that was gonna be my next know. question how many how many boats have you seen gone down in this event it's funny i think um even when they get the designs so 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 wrong um <laughs> The boats all seem to float for a while. Nice. It takes a while for the that amount of cardboard, duct tape, and plastic wrap. Uh, I think it takes a while for it to soak through. But it's um, it's just a fun, it's just a fun, exciting. I think any of our any of the programs where there's a build where they create something, there's a yeah. build element to it, like catapult, for instance, as well, where they build catapults and try and mm-hmm. you know beat each other to fling things as far as possible. I, I love all those programs. How big a catapult, um, just to let my audience know, how big of a catapult are we talking about? Well, there's, there's two sizes that we, that we normally offer. One, one is the size of a three foot by four foot or something like that. 
And then okay. we also do a double that size option if they want to, you know, if they're outside and there's a big enough area and they want to do something much, much bigger. Um, I did, I did a recent event where they wanted to do the, they wanted to triple the size, which of course we did. Nice. Um, but it was in the Bahamas, oh, which was very, oh. which was very nice. Apart from having no equipment that we would normally have and shipping being a problem to the Bahamas. So I spent two days before the event where I thought maybe I'd get a little time on the beach <laughs> just running around Home Depot stores and um, local pipe cutters who wouldn't cut the pipes. I had to cut all the pipes myself for 170 people. Nice. So that was a, it was a fun, uh, you know, fun experience. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm very jealous that you get to go to all these places. But if I have to do all that extra work, I'm fine staying where I am. And where I am right now telling all of you about the Catalyst Team Building Network, an association of team building providers. With representatives in over 90 countries speaking more than 20 languages, the Catalyst Network is widely regarded as the voice of the team building industry. Network members share resources, best practices, and business opportunities. Catalyst partners are learning from each other and pushing the boundaries of what is possible in team building. Catalyst Network members share a common goal of creating highly relevant, socially responsible, good value experiences for their clients. For more information, please visit CatalystGlobal.com, the Catalyst Team Building Network, the world's largest network of team building providers. Okay, Stuart, go through with me what it looks like when we're actually at an event. Um, say I've never done this before. I don't know what, and I'm a corporation bringing my people to you. Yeah. Now, do we start right off with building the the catapults or building the boats or anything like that, or is there something else that happens first? Uh, no, there's. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of pre-event stuff that goes on with our event management our staff um, and the facilitators being involved in communication. So we know exactly what the client is wanting to achieve, um, whether it's just a big fun activity or whether there's some deeper learning outcomes. Uh, you know, so all those sort of discussions happen beforehand. When we get on site. Uh, the team bonding team will arrive there two, three hours before the event starts mm. to ensure everything is prepped. We set up the room. Yeah, those, those pipes uh, aren't going to cut themselves beforehand. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, so we, you know, e even if we're, do if we're doing a charitable program like Tools for Schools or um, something like that or, or our cancer care programs, we'll, you know, the table will just look like it's been designed by some very fancy room interior designer because we put everything so OCD beautifully <laughs> set up on the table because we want to have that impact when the team, when the client arrive in the room, we want them to just have that wow factor, walk in and see everything set up the way that we want to set things up. And it just sets the mood straight away. Very nice. Then we, you know, then we jump into grabbing their attention with a uh, with a big energizer, a big warm up icebreaker, um, and that will be really dependent on um, you know. We always have clients ask us what what icebreaker are you going to use, and I'm you know my answer is always I don't know until I see the group. What what are some of your favorites? <laughs> I I am a particular fan of uh, rock paper scissors cheerleader. Yeah, explain that, that difference to anybody who wouldn't know. Yeah, so rock paper scissors cheerleader. You get each other, you get a person to play rock, paper, scissors in the normal way, best out of three. Mm -hmm. um, when they win, the loser becomes their cheerleader and starts following them around. So you can imagine as that happens, people get more and more cheerleaders until mm -hmm. we have, say we've got a team of 200, we'll have 99 people behind one person and 99 people behind another person screaming their names 
cheering for their their rock paper scissors champion. It is. Then we do a final rock paper scissors, and we end up with one champion of the uh, for that client. And that person, you know, that person takes that takes that win. They on. really do. They really do. I've, this is these are some of the ones that not only have I led, but I've seen you lead as well. And my God, the way that they just get so enthused. Yeah. I, maybe it's having everybody at their back, but it's it's the the fact that they're just we've seen some pretty great competitors and we've seen some pretty not so nice competitors doing yeah. it. But yeah, and I think it's um it's so important to get a good energizer out right at the beginning because it sets it sets the whole group up mainly for listening to me. <laughs> <laughs> It, it's it, it shows them that I, it shows them that the facilitator is fun. Yep. Um, can can command the room. Everyone can uh, hear and understand. Obviously, depending on the size and the room, you might be on speakers and microphones. I'm a, I'm personally, I think you are rich as well as a, a projector. I, yeah. like to, I like to project my voice um, rather than use a microphone a lot of the time. But right. I'll use a microphone if I have to. Right. And. Um, yeah, and I think it just set it just sets up the activity because straight after the icebreaker is done, we've got their attention and we're going into the briefing for the first part that they need to do. And we we try not, depending on the program, try not to explain the entire event to them. The next two hours or hour and a half is going to be like this. Mm-hmm. We just give them the snippets of information that they need to move forward in a streamlined manner um, and have fun while they and have fun while they're doing it. And then just pull them back together at the end of each stage and, and brief them for the next stage. And it just it's just a method that works so, so well in what we do. And then um, and if there's high learning outcomes trying to be achieved by the client, then we'll review and get you know and, and get teams to present back how they've done, that kind of thing. Mm. Um, and really dissolve, you know, evolve what they've been doing in, in sure. their team dynamics and what you know what's been learned and understood separate to just the actual activity. Um, but sometimes clients just want to have fun and that's what we focus on. And so we end with, uh, you know, we have music playing all the way through. We can end with, we end with music and end with a thank you and a cheering and a, normally always a big group photo. Yeah. Just so they have something to remember. We try and we try to take photos all the way through normally, but a big group photo at the end is always, is always nice. great for the team. Very nice. Now, do you go in with, uh, with a conclusion in mind, like, I'll know I have them if this is what happens or, or are you more free flowing and just let it fall as it may? I'm pretty free flowing. I know we've got, we have, I think there's, I think there really is two types of facilitators. There's mm-hmm. facilitators that spend a lot of time planning and really want to have their timing written down for themselves. Yep. I, I can't work like that. I need to, I need to flow with the room. Mm-hmm. Uh, and kind of, uh, and I'm quick enough to um, switch and change when things happen or if anything needs to change because of the speed people are working or this, whatever's happening. I, I kind of like just to deal with things on the fly using, you know, my personal bank of experience and, and you know, and, and, and personality to, to keep it moving forward in a fun, exciting way. Um, that's many, more, that's, that's my method. How many times have you, uh, in your protracted career actually, um, had to do that, had to actually change things at the last minute to, to meet a client's needs or, or because the room wasn't, um, you weren't reading the room, doing the things that you want to do when you have them doing it. I would say every single time I've run an event, there's been something that has had to, <laughs> has, has had to tweak or change. Mm-hmm. 
But in the big overarching thing, you know, where maybe maybe you know, running an event where a, a big issue has happened, like the the, the ballroom is no longer available, mm. despite it being despite the venue being nothing to do with us. Right, we right. just turn up and have fun. <laughs> Some for some reason the room they had booked is no longer available, and we have to set up outside, or we have to set up in some random place. That yep. seems to that seems to be um, rare, but quick and fun. I, I know we did. A, I know I did a um, what was it? A suit was a, it was a it was an adapted superhero program mm. where we donate a bunch of capes and teddy bears and different things to kids. Nice. But it was adapted in the way that they wanted more competition and more challenge. So we. We included things like frisbee golf and um, all these different things. And then when we got to the location, the big field that we had no longer available due to construction. <laughs> so we now had a we ha- we now had like the the like waterfront tiny decking that went round and like looped around the, the hotel. Mm. But we made it work. We lost a few frisbees in the ocean. What can I say? But we, but we made it work, and they had a great time, as always, with our event. Yeah, of course. Now, hold on just one second, Stuart. I do need to take a brief minute and tell all my friends about B1G1, which can make your business a real force for good. When you're part of B1G1, you bring new purpose, meaning, and relevance to your business by making giving a core of what you do. Unlike conventional giving models, B1G1 helps small and medium-sized businesses achieve more social impact by embedding giving activities in their everyday business operations to create unique giving stories. Every business transaction can impact lives from just as little as one cent, so please visit B1G1.com to get started. B1G1, business for good. And we're back. Now, I remember Stuart and I, one of the ones we did together fairly recently, I think it was just this past year, where we had been set up in a parking lot of this of this big corporate building. And then somebody from the event said, hey, we have this patio. Let's just move it there. So we had set up in the parking lot, broke everything down, moved it to the patio, set it back up again. And then we're told we can't work on the patio because we hadn't gotten the authorization from the building facilitators. So, okay. Right. Very exciting, a lot of fun, and a lot of it's lifting. It's always and fun yeah. when there is no communication between your <laughs> venue client and everyone else that thinks they need to have have some sort of involvement. You would think like, um, communication might actually be a good, important part of teamwork. Right. That that was one of my favorite ones because I think it was. Oh no, you can't use this space. The director really loves that furniture. It doesn't really let anyone use it. It was a bicycle build, <laughs> meaning that we were building bikes. We we're having them build bikes to give away to a charity. And part of that event, we have an obstacle course race where we're going to have them run their bikes back and forth for time for an obstacle course. And we were told after the event, you can't ride on the grass where we've already had them riding on the grass in the obstacle course. So it was there was a lot of fun to be had all the way around. But. We kept our energy positive and we made it through to the end. Can you think of, yeah. uh, can you think of any examples where without actually naming anyone or, or outing any client, <laughs> can you think of any examples where it was just the hardest to actually pull it off because of all of the obstacles that were put in your way? Uh, so I had, I had, a, uh, and it, it wasn't the, it wasn't the client. It was client wasn't the issue. It was the venue that was the, it was the venue that we were using was the issue, Okay, but it was in, um, it happened to be an event, uh, a series of three events we were running for the same client in Athens, Greece. 
and um we had <laughs> you like you like that one Rich? i do the, i do so one of the events was um ice sculpting so we had a, a separate facilitator mark our mm-hmm. ice guy out with us mm-hmm. fantastic guy very good guy and um the we firstly no ice in athens athens <laughs> greece greece it's, no it's almost ice. like it's warm there or something they had ice for drinks. They do not have ice for ice sculpting because it is a different ice, if you didn't know. Right. Uh, it's a different way of freezing the water, apparently. Yeah. Um, Mark talked about it in, at length while I was stacking ice cubes and trying to melt them together. <laughs> the, um, so the ice, uh, the ice actually ended up coming from Poland, which was a, uh, was, you know, like a four-day trip, a four-day drive from Poland, wow. bringing the ice down in a van, in a, in a refrigerated vehicle through many countries. All the way to Greece. It literally arrived exactly two hours before the program started. Oh, As in it drove into town yep. and parked at the back of the hotel <laughs> where where Mark and I were stood to wave it in nice. to the right because the part obviously parking in the middle of Athens was ridiculous. Sure. Somehow it arrived exactly on time. And then the hotel was staff were like, you can't bring ice in here. <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. What you're gonna destroy off carpets? No, we've got we've we've we firstly we've talked about this before we came. <laughs> Secondly, we've got all this floor protection. We've already put it down. Uh, but you know, so uh, that was one of those ones where in the end we convinced them to let us take it in there. So let me and then yeah. Let me ask you, Stuart, if the ice could not be be found in Poland, what would you have done? How would you have fixed that? I mean, to say the truck blew a tire on the way in and it didn't arrive on yeah. time, what would you do? Well, we had, uh, Mark and I discussed many a plan from <laughs> watermelon carving to, um, I think there was some sort of mini apple carving was an, was an option. You carve into the fruit, make different things. Greece does we have We were trying fruit. to keep it around the artistic. Yeah. Uh, so we were, I mean, because we've got, we've got obviously many other total different programs I could switch it to enough time to organize the equipment. Sure. But we were trying to, we always try and stick as close to the event that the client has chosen as possible, even when things go wrong. And um, we're very, very good, good at, at working on the fly and dealing with those issues and still making the program happened seamlessly despite everything being against (laughs) us um but yeah that uh uh, that luckily that one you know we and it was funny the client saw us actually the the lead client saw us fighting with the hotel and thanked us so much at the end of the event excellent knowing we were the ones it wasn't his team of event management he had a whole dmc destination management company dealing that went to dealing with everything like that for them Mm. We ended up dealing with all of that stuff because I don't know we we have we have a little bit more passion when it's our event that sure. might be getting affected and that comes across. Passion is a passion is strong in 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 to Greek people. <laughs> oh, good. You know, if you, if you shout and and are angry, they really respect it. So nice. that's what I did. Love, lovely, <laughs> and you can. You are not a tiny person. <laughs> you are no, a great I, big person. I, de- I definitely, I definitely use my six foot three stature <laughs> to stand over small Greek people. Yeah, just so you all know, um, I'm t- my friend here that I'm talking to, Stuart Downey. He is a giant of a man uh, compared to my like five foot eight frame. I think my daughter last measured me at with a, with a big bushy beard and a completely shaved pate. So he he can be terrifying when he wants to be, but 
you're just such a big positive ball of energy every time I worked with you, Stuart. Or, or just a, yeah, I'm I I have I, I have that big scary look until I smile. <laughs> and I, I'm smiling most of the time, so. So from uh, from the stories you just tell me, though, it seems to me that this was something that you and Mark had to plan together. So how important is teamwork on your side compared to teamwork on the client side for you? Oh, extre- extremely important, I think. And, and not even with, with that event, yes, there was a, a number of people in play, even, you know, working with the other team building staff, team bonding staff to mm-hmm. um, organize flights and hotels and in a different country and coordinate it all with being close by the venue and vehicle rentals in a different country. <laughs> it was a little bit, it was a little bit easier in that I'm from the UK and um, I actually left my flight from Greece, from Athens, was the day the UK left the EU, hmm. which was, um, I just got out of there <laughs> while my passport was valid in that country. <laughs> but um, yeah, working together to, to create these programs, it's, not, it's never just the facilitator. There's a warehouse team, hmm. uh, event managers, the sales staff, the uh, marketing department, everyone is involved. And then your assistants, when you turn up, where, you know, if you didn't, if you don't have that team of assistants there, you can't carry 20 boxes up to the room or whatever you need to carry um, to get everything ready. And they might, they might not be seen doing that much depending on the program during the event, Mm -hmm. but they are absolutely critical to make sure everything starts and closes properly. And um, yeah, making sure your assisting staff understands what's required of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but in a fun way, you know, again, we're, we're having fun. There's no point being a, a, a crazy dictator to your assistant team before an event. You want them to be smiling when the group walks in. Too. Sure. And it's, um, you know, and, and Mark and I working together on that ice event was really fun because he's used to facilitating and, and explaining his ice stuff himself all right. on his own. And what we did, I was like his MC. <laughs> so when people were coming in the room, I was like, welcome come in take your seats and then <laughs> and then mark was jumping in now and again and two and we were bantering back and forth with the client it's a really nice flow it worked really really well good and I, I mean that client asked us both back in um to come back and do another whole series of events for them in uh in march which unfortunately couldn't yeah. happen because of everything going on right now right uh, we, uh, but you know so it's always testament when clients ask companies or people back That's a fantastic segue into the next thing that I wanted to get into, which is, of course, the world is very different than it was only a few short months ago. What's your team like at home? Who do you have there to support you? I I have my my wife, Liz, um, and I have my, I wouldn't say my my two-year-old, Logan. I wouldn't say he's supporting me. He's punishing (laughs) me a lot. What do, um, do you find you do a lot of uh, do, you, do you find you do a lot of teamwork events with your with your family just to uh, even yeah, just to yeah. distract a two year old? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're, we're doing a few things right now. Obviously, we're all still working um, just from home. You know, my wife works for an airline mm. as a safety as a manager of, of safety systems, and she's able to do that from her computer, which we're really grateful for. Excellent. And so she can do most of that from home. So her her work hasn't really been affected. My my work has obviously been affected in events. Um, sure. However, team bonding has very quickly we we rallied together under David Goldstein and pulled together a bunch of new programs. And it's funny 
because some of them are working better virtually than they do live, <laughs> which we can which we can talk about more later. But um, that's why I'm still working. But it's from my uh, you know my beautiful basement. I'm still logging on. I'm still having to bring that energy to a group. But now I'm doing it through a camera and a microphone. Yeah. And I'm not from an acting background like uh, like others that we have. And um, it's uh, it's been it's been an experience. And I, I think I for me it's have, I, I have to do the same routine I would do for a live event. I have to have a shower. I have to get ready. I have to get dressed. I put my shirt on. You know, I can't do these events naked despite trying. Well, that's good. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's good for everyone. And then home life, we've just been working on projects. So the house, we're actually building a, um, we have a hill in our yard. It's weird. Like anyone else would hate it. I love this hill. It's like a, it's like a little hill of trees that's up on our backside of our yard. Okay. And there's a flat spot on top of the hill that's been covered in brush and trees since probably for 30 years, but. We've lived here for two, two years or so. Mm. And um, I went out there and just chopped everything down, cleared the flat space. And now I'm halfway through building a cabin on top that's going to have a wood-burning stove and a, a beautiful sunset view. It's got a deck already. We've built the deck. Just putting roof shingles on right now. You are an amazing individual, man. I, I, you, I've got a couple of years built onto you here, but I've been redoing the landscaping here in, in the backyard of my house. And I, I feel every minute of my age, every time I so much start digging a path. <laughs> so kudos oh, to I you. Oh, when, I, when I lay into bed and it's like, oh, <laughs> okay. Fan- <laughs> I feel fantastic. Great. But then I seem to wake up with a bounce. So it seems to something's working. Yep. Yeah. Well, we get up because we have to. All right. Yeah. Now. Speaking of it, Stuart, um, I'm going to kind of spring this one on you. Um, I have a little way that we love to wrap up the show. First off, thank you so much for being here. You've been an absolutely fantastic guest. But before we go, one of the things that we know, we both know from being in this business is when the when the guests first arrive at an event, especially if they're not aware of what it is that they're going to be doing, we, we're almost, I would say, at least you got like 60, 70% of an audience is they're kind of ho-humming. And then we get them into our, we get them into our mindset with our icebreakers and our energizers. Um, but before we wrap, I want to actually torture you a little bit by playing a game with you before we go. This is going to be our speed round. We're going to do 60 seconds of questions. You're going to try to answer as many as you can. Do you feel ready for it? I'm ready. All right, my friend. When the music starts, I'll ask the questions, and here we go. Okay, what is your name? Stuart. What do you think is the greatest invention of all time? Toaster. (laughs) Using one word, describe your wife. Beautiful. What's your favorite time of day? Morning. What's your favorite season? Summer. What's the one food you could never do without? Oh, British Indian, which is different to any other Indians in America. British Indian food. Okay. Uh, what is the sound you love the most? Um, uh, the, the, uh, the waves crashing on a beach. Nice. Um, if you could have a different first name than you do, what would it be? Um, Duke. Cake or pie? Cake. Oh, lovely. Right under the wire. Eight whole questions answered in 60 seconds. Thank you so much. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, one more time, give it up for my dear friend Stuart Downey over here. Stuart, uh, you have been not only a blessing to this show, but you've been so much fun to work with. So 
Thank you so much for playing along with us here on Team Building Around the World. Um, is there anywhere that anybody can actually find you if they're looking for you specifically? No, I'm a very private, secretive person. Okay, so you're not on Twitter. You don't have anything like that to promote. <laughs> but they can still look for you at teambonding.com. Uh, absolutely. Great. All right, team. <laughs> That's it for me. And thanks again for listening to Team Building Around the World. If you like this show, please share it with a friend or a colleague. We'd be grateful if you would subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your favorite podcast and leave us a favorable review. If you didn't like the show, hey, just shut up about it. Everything's going to be fine. All past episodes can be found at teambonding.com. All right, my team, you all take care of each other. This has been Rich Rennan's Land. You've been listening to Team Building Around the World. And always remember, if you're within the sound of my voice, you're now on my team and I'm on yours. Thanks again, everyone, and have a lovely day. It's been said that you learn more about a person in an hour of play than in a year of conversation. So why not put your co-workers to play with the help of the team at Team Bonding? Team Bonding was founded over 20 years ago with one simple question. How can employees have a great time while fostering strong, authentic bonds between people who work together? Their catalog of innovative events includes scavenger hunts, Jeopardy, and much more. Each activity, whether live, virtual, or hybrid, maximizes the impact of team building with an accent on fun. Visit teambonding.com to schedule your event now. Team Bonding, when you want seriously fun results.